The Church Media Podcast, episode number 71, Creating Immersive Environments with Cole Nee Smith. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. Show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online at 1230media.com slash podcast. And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, welcome. Thanks for listening this week. This is the definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build a solid, thriving volunteer culture at your church. Remember, as always, you can pick up tons of free content on our website for your production team at 1230media.com. That's the word 12, the word 30, the word media, all spelled out, 1230media.com. We give away as much as we possibly can. Go to our blog and load up on free tips and tricks, PDFs, interviews, apps, articles, and more, all on our website, 1230media.com. Check that out today. Today, I welcome to the podcast Cole Nee Smith. Cole has an impressive resume, an all-around artist and innovator. He is the pastor of City Beautiful Church in Orlando, Florida. Cole and I talked about how to create immersive, interactive experiences. He's had the opportunity of being heavily involved in projects in Orlando uh, that he shares with us today. You're going to also pick up some great ideas of things that you can implement in your services each week. Great guy, very, very creative, outside-the-box thinker. You're going to love hearing from him. My interview with Cole Neesmith is on deck. And now, your Church Media Resource of the Week. Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry. Hey, everyone. It's Kim Porter from the River Church in Liberty Township, Ohio, with your Church Media Resource of the Week. Dropbox has made an incredible difference in our ability to access, share, and edit files with our media team. It allows us to get any files that we've uploaded to Dropbox from anywhere on any device and share them with anyone. We can save files on our computer, but we can also access them remotely. They're synced automatically to all of our devices. We can send videos quickly, share large files with anyone, and even edit a presentation together without emailing files back and forth. When we edit a file in a shared folder, everyone gets the update automatically. Whether it's uploading announcement videos from home, uploading presentations from your guest speaker, or even sharing music files, all of it can be done without having to be in the same location. Dropbox truly is an easy, convenient tool for our media team volunteers, for guest speakers, and for our pastor. Check out Dropbox for your team and get your media team connected. For more free resources for your team, visit 1230media.com training. This is an exclusive interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get shareable content and free resources for your team at 1230media.com slash podcast. Here's Carl now. Hey guys, today I welcome by phone Cole Nee Smith. Cole is an artist, musician, actor, and pastor of City Beautiful Church in Orlando. 
He's the author of the book Spiritual Innovation and Creative Faith. He's the executive director of the Creative City Project, an annual arts event in downtown Orlando. He's also the host of the Uncover the Color podcast and has produced creative content for Catalyst, Salt Nashville, Relevant Magazine, and other organizations. One of the best creative minds in our field. Cole, thanks for hanging out, man. Glad Whoa. to have you on. It was pretty big, pretty big on. compliment, huh? Pretty big compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to be with you. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out, man. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, and where you're from. Well, I am from Orlando. This is uh, this is my home, and it's where I um, have chosen to be, and really love um, the things that are going on here and the things that um, I've just had the opportunity to participate in. Um, and you just mentioned a lot of them. So uh, I kind of have one one foot in uh, the church world and get to do a lot of really fun, creative things, uh, meaningful things um, with our church here in Orlando, as well as some organizations outside of here. And then also love uh, my opportunity to invest in the arts community here and elsewhere. Now, as we mentioned, your uh, your resume is quite long. Uh, artist, writer, <laughs> pastor, speaker, the list goes on. Tell me how you got involved in creative arts. Man, I, um, first of all, grew up as an artist. Like The thing that still brings me the most life and the most joy is creating things and presenting meaningful moments, cultivating environments. Like That's the stuff that I love to do. And uh, about, man, probably a about 10 years ago, I read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, and he talks about, you know, you're an expert in something once you've done it for 10,000 hours. And when I read that, like, I had this existential crisis of, like, am I just too divided um, in my life and my pursuits and the things I'm giving my time to? And over the course of time and just some reflection and prayer and meditation came to the place of saying, you know what, the two things that for me are consistent and all of the things that I do are helping people think of things in new ways, shifting paradigms, and then creating community. And so I just really love um, the power of creativity to do both of those things. Now, I want to talk to you. You mentioned creating immersive and interactive experiences. I want to talk with you more about that today. So I'd, I'd love to start by talking through some of the projects that you've been a part of. Um, you've yeah. I- implemented some, some really cool stuff. So tell me about maybe like the, the interactive um, uh, conference or connected. Tell me about some of the things that you've been involved in recently. Yeah, I um, so all of this started for me when I took my first creative director position uh, at a ministry at a church here in Orlando called Discovery Church. And so there was a 20s ministry, and I was just a volunteer there as a worship leader, and eventually that grew into me having a part-time role as a creative director as I was still traveling and leading worship. And, um, you know, when I stepped into that role, I had this perception of what I thought that role meant, and it was kind of based on what I had seen other people doing in the context of that role, you you know, graphics and overseeing the musical elements and maybe a video from time to time. It was very presentational. And pretty soon after stepping into that role, I started thinking, gosh, there's got to be a way to help break that barrier between the presentational and begin creating experiences that invite people to really in a tangible way experience the things that we're talking about 
in our worship gatherings on a weekly basis. And so just started exploring this opportunity for like people to get up and do stuff. Um, and, you know, we've kind of developed this, this language, you know, we use this term uh, tactile metaphors, like how can we create some metaphors for the things that we're talking about where people get up and they touch it or they smell it or they taste it. And I think, you know, when you talk about taste, it reminds me of, communion, which I think is kind of the heart of the idea of this, you know, for thousands of years. And then uh, that, that, that existed as Passover. And then Jesus used that as an example for his own life, his own body, his own sacrifice. And, you know, Jesus used this ancient tradition um, that was kind of set up for him as this tactile experience uh, for people to encounter a new level of depth, even through the experience of taste. So how can we create these, these immersive experiences that invite people in as opposed to just creating stuff that people look at. So tell me about um, like the, the interactive conference. That was, that was a really neat thing that, um, that I've seen. I didn't get a chance to, to attend. Walk me through kind of the experience that was created there. It's, it's fun because I've been able to not just do this kind of stuff inside the church, but do it outside the church as well. I think culture at large is longing for new and and deeper encounters. Um, and so for uh, the Orlando International Fringe Theater Festival, which is a theater festival here in Orlando, there are fringe festivals all around the world. I, along with a really amazing group of friends and collaborators, Um, created this show called Connected, and we did it inside of a theater, and it followed the story of this guy who was encountering um, his relationships, and it was exploring the nature of connectedness, one person to another, and uh, in between those scenes, we um, kind of incorporated a few interactive moments where a few audience members were invited to interact with the characters on stage, Um, and then we also wired every seat in theater with earbuds and there was a third person omniscient guide who would lead people through these introspective moments uh, in between the scenes as the story unfolded. So they'd see a moment on stage in the story and then this guide would kind of prompt each of the members of the audience through these earbuds in a really intimate way to consider some of the same themes in their own life and relationships. And, you know, just the feedback and the response and the honesty that came out of those moments was really beautiful. And just, you know, over, over the course of our eight shows, having people come up afterward and say, today is the first time I told someone that my mom told me at one point in life that she wished she had aborted me like really deep, intense stuff. And so I think by creating these interactive moments and asking the question, how can we build bridges for people to connect with themselves, connect with one another, connect with God? Um, Art and creativity are really powerful vessel that builds those bridges for people. How have you implemented that in church world? Have you done any type of interactive thing in a church setting? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that we actually did in, in Connected was this kind of empathy experience. So when everybody came into the theater, they were given a light up LED keychain. And um, at one point in the show, we asked people in the audience to light up that keychain 
as um, as an indicator of kind of connecting with statements. So that guide read several statements, and then there was kind of an open space where people would light up those lights if they resonated with the statement. And we've done that same experience in the church world, where you know we invite people as we're talking about unity or as we're talking about diversity. Um, we've done that same type of experience where we invite people in, we give them these lights, and then as they're prompted, they light the lights up, and it's kind of this visual representation of the bigger themes that we're talking about in those moments related to creativity or related to unity or diversity. And it kind of gives the the room a sense of who's there as we see these lights lighting up across the room. So where do the ideas come from? Do you, you sit down and collaborate with people? Is it, uh, uh, you know, we're just in the shower by yourself or where do the ideas come from for, for things? <laughs> Yeah, so much of this stuff wouldn't be possible without incredible teams of people. And I think there's a lot of different answers. I mean, sometimes it is, you know, while I'm in the shower and just alone and away from everything and focused. And then uh, sometimes it's in a room of of people where we're saying, here's the theme. So each week uh, on Tuesday mornings at, at our church, we have a really small group of people that we invite in to consider the themes that we're talking about upcoming in our worship gatherings and uh, we just talk creatively through um, through what kinds of experiences we can invite people into. And we've kind of gathered around nine different types of experiences that we kind of go back to that we found are really helpful for us. And um, some of those are experiences that are more presentational. Some of them are a little more interactive. And one of the things I've learned, too, is in the creative process, just for me personally, and, and maybe this is a broader reality, is... Um, it's really helpful for me to have maybe a smaller group of really trusted collaborators as opposed to trying to open up the room to 20 people to try to come up with creative ideas for a worship gathering. So I found that it's really helpful to have maybe four or five people who um, have a certain sense of synergy and maybe are on the same page to some degree, but also inviting diverse voices into that um, so that we can collaborate together. Um, So yeah, sometimes it's alone. Sometimes it's in a small group of people. Um, A lot of times, you know, when I'm doing work outside of our church, it I love the constraints of themes of a conference or um, ideas that a speaker will be talking about. And I've really come to value uh, limitations and some of those kind of walls that we would put around the creative process that I think I used to think were limiting, but now I really see as freeing. Yes, that's that's really good. Now, you've also um, had the opportunity to be involved in some interactive art pieces uh, around Orlando. Tell me about the, the tree of light and the, the fountain that you guys created there. Yeah. Uh, again, it's so cool to get to collaborate with people and um, put art in the public space that really has meaning and brings people together. So a couple years ago, uh, my friend Josh and I collaborated on this uh, interactive sculpture called the tree of light. And uh, it's a 20 foot uh, tall tree about the same diameter. And it has a bunch of lights hanging from it. And, uh, the Tree of Light is a really interesting story of uh, some pretty crushing defeat and then kind of pressing through that to, to come to some beautiful revelations. Uh, so, you know, we uh, we put about $12,000 into this, this thing. We worked with a, a metal fabricator and the whole thing is covered with recycled and reclaimed wood. And we were working with um, some tech guys who were making the tree interactive. And so... 
we had been working on this project and uh, the night before we were constructing it in a business plaza in downtown Orlando and um, the one of the branches broke as the sun was coming up. We had been working all night long and we had been promoting this huge like launch event and hundreds of people had RSVP'd that they were coming. And so, um, you know, it was literally crushing <laughs> as the the tree kind of fell apart before our eyes and um and actually one of our tech guys was up on top of the tree and he fell with that branch and he had to go to the hospital and it was like it was really defeating in the moment and so we took the whole thing down put out on social media that the the opening event was canceled and that thing sat in our side yard for probably a year until we kind of got a second wind to to reawaken the project and we reconstructed it and we sent it back to the metal fabricator and they made some adjustments to make sure it was more structurally sound and um, we finally put it up in, in our neighborhood here in Orlando um, in the Ivanhoe district is what it's called and um, it kind of has become a little bit of a beacon here in our neighborhood and um, a cool part of the story is um, I got a call from a guy in Amsterdam who had seen the project online and their city every year had put a Christmas tree in the middle of their town and weren't able to do it because of financial reasons one year. And um, he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to gather some people. We'd love to create a tree of light in our ta- in our, in our town in that square. And and so we talked about it for a little while and they ended up doing it and they invited members of their community to bring light bulbs and uh, they put those lights in the tree and the tree lit up there in the middle of their town and they uh, they captured the stories of each of the people who brought those lights. And so they were able to unify around this project and their town and tell the the story of the people of their of their town there. And, you know, if if Josh and I had just remained defeated and let that thing sit in our side yard and just quit the project, I think that would have never happened. And so it was just a lesson for me and the value of like perseverance and pressing on in the face of defeat. And then even seeing this kind of residual, beautiful gift as these people in another country, you know, um, built one in their town and it was really meaningful for them there. Tell me about the interactive fountain that you guys created. Yeah, so that was part of um, our Creative City Project event, um, which is an annual arts event here in downtown Orlando. So we shut down the streets and uh, we create immersive and interactive experiences. We work with Cirque du Soleil, the Orlando Ballet, a couple different orchestras, and we create experiences that people can't have anywhere else. And so we, as we think about kind of that immersive and interactive component, um, one of the kind of iconic symbols of Orlando is a fountain in the middle of uh, a park and a lake uh, here in downtown Orlando called Lake Eola. And uh, that fountain is something that people walk around on a regular basis. They see from a distance. And so we ask the question, how can we make that interactive? So we set up 10 touch sensitive pedestals and people were able to come and touch those and it would uh trigger a lighting effect and a sound effect on the fountain as people interacted with that. So it was, again, how can we help engage people more deeply? How can we bring them together? And how can we help them see this icon of our city in a brand new way as it becomes not just something they look at, but something they interact with? Okay, so let's bring these thoughts and ideas into church world a little bit more. How can churches go beyond like a traditional way of communicating and move to a more immersive experience. Yeah, for sure. I I love the opportunity to do this in our worship environments. Um, 
And the first thing that I always, you know, love talking about is, you know, every creative at a church is there in a particular context for a specific reason for this moment in time for those people. And one of the things that I think I see in the church over and over again is kind of the copy paste method where, um, you know, we see something at a conference or we see something online that another church did somewhere, and we try to import that into our environments, hoping that it'll have the same effect, hoping that people respond the same way. And I have a firm belief that, like, that's not the way that we as creative people have been designed to operate. And um, I, I think our goal as creative directors or worship leaders, whatever it may be inside of our churches, is to ask, like, what is God doing right now where we are? Where are the people of our community? And how can we build a bridge between where they are and just taking one next step to where God would want to take them and whatever you know things we're exploring together? And so that's the first thing I would say is don't do the or don't try to do what you consider the easy thing, which is look at what somebody else is doing and trying to replicate that. It's great to be inspired, but I think it really begins with us asking, who are we in relationship with as part of our church community? Where are they and where can we take them? Because our goal as leaders is to build a bridge for people. And if we try to import something from somewhere else, the people at our church may not be ready for that, or they may be beyond that, or they may not even resonate with those ideas that were imported from somewhere else. And so if we can do the hard work of sitting with God and asking, Lord, what do you want to say to these people? How do you want to connect with these people in a new way? And what resources do we have at our disposal in order to do that? So I would start by just evaluating maybe some of those things right where we are. What would God want to do here in this place and in this time? So if I'm a church, I want to start creating more interactive, more immersive experiences. Where do I start? Give me some some first steps. What's involved in the planning stages? Yeah. yeah, I would say first, like, who are the people on your team or in your church that you think would be good about having these conversations? People who are willing to think outside the box a little bit. So gather those people together and start having conversations Um, Two, I would say, you know, this is a learning process. It's a growing process. Don't try to force things on your leadership. Don't try to force things on your community. Have a deep sense of humility and grace as you in this group of people begin thinking creatively, how do we do these things? What kinds of things do we want to do? Do we want to invite kind of a new artistic expression in? Do we want to invite a new musical genre or a new musical style in? Do we want to create an interactive piece? Do we want to change our environment? All of these things take a different level of accessibility from our audience and from our leadership, from our congregation. And so, Um, be gentle in it and recognize that it's okay for us to take baby steps because that's what it means to be a leader. So help your your church take one next step as opposed to a giant leap. And then, uh, again, embrace the value of our limitations. So 
look at what your resources are. Our church, we don't have a ton of money. And so we're constantly thinking about how we can do things on the cheap. And one of the things that I've learned as a creative person is that the money will never be enough to fulfill my creative ideas, but it doesn't mean that I can't do something now. So embrace those limitations. And, um, you know, one of the things that I do often is, okay, we want to do something with light, for instance. So how do we do that in a way that's economical? How do we, you know, these keychains that I talked about before, they were like 65 cents a piece. And that was just a item we found online that we could order in bulk. And we had those things made and sent in and they were really helpful and really inexpensive. And it was a cool kind of interactive moment. So um, find cheap or things within your budget that uh, will be meaningful experiences as you gather people together to begin thinking creatively. You mentioned people. Is that too ethereal or is no, that, no, 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 is that helpful from a practical standpoint? Yeah, very yeah. practical. In fact, a lot of our churches that we that we serve are on a tight budget. And I think that a lot of times yeah. we can uh, have that mindset of, well, I can't do that. It's just too expensive. The larger churches, the bigger environments, they're doing that kind of thing. We just can't afford it or we can't get there. Mm. Uh, and so to be encouraged that the, the limitations are sometimes a blessing uh, to kind of be more creative and to figure stuff out is is really encouraging. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, you mentioned yeah, sure. you mentioned team a little bit and people. What kind of people uh, am I looking for to bring into my creative process when when it comes to executing my experience? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question, and I think it starts with what I would define as an explorer. Um, Somebody who is willing to ask questions, someone who's willing to go outside of what we've always done, um, somebody who's willing to be themselves a little bit uncomfortable and help our communities navigate the discomfort of newness. I think we as human beings, and I've seen this even maybe even a little bit more in the church world, we tend toward what's familiar and we tend toward stasis and maintaining the status quo. And introducing new creative elements can be in some ways fearful. Um, And so I think brave explorers who are willing to ask questions. I think our tendency would be, oh, let's go find the painter or let's go ask all of our musicians to be part of this process. I don't think that's the best place to start. There may be people who aren't necessarily your, your traditional definition of creative who are really into exploring the depths of God or exploring what's possible. I would invite those people in. Um, And maybe there are some, you know, painters in your church or musicians in your church who have that same mindset. But just because somebody does a quote-unquote creative thing doesn't mean that they're necessarily the best people to get into a brainstorming session. So find those exploratory people. Okay, so in addition to the right putting the right people in place and putting the right people around the table, how do you, once you got them in place, how do you cultivate a culture of innovation uh, among your mm-hmm. team? Oh, I think it's a deeply internal, spiritual question, um, and it really begins with uh, identity in the Lord and knowing who we are as people and being confident in that. The thing that brings freedom in our churches to 
uh, begin exploring new ways of connecting with God really has to do with people being confident in who God has already declared them to be. And so I would say it's a really pastoral beginning of helping people understand what God uh, thinks of them and what he's declaring about who they are, that they are children of the king and that they are sons and daughters of God and they are safe and secure in his love. And I think when we're safe in the in the best sense of the word, uh, it gives us a platform to begin exploring. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I think creativity gives us, is, is kind of a vessel for us to connect with God, but it's also practice for us to get outside of what's comfortable and begin connecting with God in new ways in our everyday life. And so I think when I think about culture, it has to do with creating a culture of people who are confident in God's declaration of their identity so there is a freedom to explore. There is a freedom to go outside of the box. There is a freedom to embrace that promise that he is revealing new things about who he is, and he wants to increase in his intimacy with us. Those are Intimacy is a scary thing, and I think even our creative input, our creative processes in the midst of the church are about this exploration of intimacy. And so I think I was at a conference, I was leading a um, kind of a breakout session at a conference several years ago. And um, one of the girls in my my group said, you know what, I feel like there's a really big sense of shame over our church. And if you're trying to explore the depths of God, if you're trying to explore new creative expressions, shame is probably our biggest enemy because it keeps us confined to what what feels safe to us. But when we can be released from that shame, uh, it gives us a whole new sense of of bravery and stepping forward. And so cre- it's kind of a, a chicken and an egg conversation because creativity simultaneously trains us to get outside of what's normal, but it also requires a sense of bravery to be able to do so. All right, so I've heard you talk before about mystery, about the importance of keeping mystery in an experience. Walk me through that. Yeah, I love, I love, love, love this. There's a really interesting balance, I think, that I've begun to discover in being a leader who helps people engage in a deeper way, um, something that they're not used to. And the balance is helping provide the bridge for them to access the ex- access the experience, but not uh, draining the experience of a sense of mystery. And so we can over-explain to the point where there's no longer anything to explore in the creative expression because we've already told people what to expect and how they're supposed to encounter it. Or we can give a strong sense of safety through a little bit of explanation of what we're inviting people into, but maintaining a sense of mystery that it allows them to discover something personally unique as the Holy Spirit interacts with them in the midst of the creative moment. And if we're willing to just kind of walk that line and and allow people a little bit of discomfort in encountering and approaching that mystery, I think it gives them the sense of discovering something unique as the Lord speaks to them in the moment. Now, you've written a book where you've implemented uh, or talked about some of these things. The book's called Creative Faith. You explore three mm-hmm. things about creativity and spirituality. Uh, can you walk me through those three things real quick? 
For sure. Uh, so first, it's creative mindset, thinking, how are we thinking in ways that lead us toward a greater sense of creativity? The second one is kind of creative expression and practice. How are we exhibiting our creativity on a regular basis? How are we implementing that into our lives, taking it from a thought into a real thing? And lastly is creative leadership. How are we implementing creativity in our leadership to invite people into new experiences and challenging them and creating those bridges that invites them into a new level of bravery in their everyday life? Um, do you have a favorite medium to tell a story? You know, is theater your favorite, mm -hmm. film, art pieces? Do you have a favorite medium? Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I love the most is is helping create moments. So uh, whether it's, you know, if, even if it's a visual art uh, installation, I, li I love the moment where the viewer begins to engage the piece. And so I, that's why I love interactivity, even in visual art, because the piece becomes something new every time someone encounters it. The same thing happens in theater. We create moments with people in a physical space as a story unfolds. So whether it's theater or uh, a piece of visual art, and this is also what I love about leading worship. The thing that I love most about leading worship is helping create a moment, asking, Lord, what are you doing right here, right now? And how can I put that into words in the midst of this worship environment to help people connect with you? So I just love creating those moments, regardless of the medium, where people can um, engage the piece in a really meaningful way. Do you find that it's more memorable when people are using more than one or two senses? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we hear that. Yeah, we hear that thing where people engage in different ways. They learn in different ways. And that's why we at our church kind of have this list of nine different ways people can connect in these worship experiences. And actually, I've made that experience guide available at um, creativefaithjourney.com. You can download these nine experiences. And, you know, it goes from, from things like visual elements that we're really used to, graphics, lighting, other visual elements, environmental changes. How are we immersing people in the themes that we're talking about? All the way to kind of these more active things where people are reflecting on something or they're writing it down, or it's a social experience where people are connecting with one another, or we're inviting people to get up and, and, and interact with something. Um, and so we, we continually reference back to these nine different types of experiences because uh, it helps us kind of vary the way people are connecting with each of the creative moments that we're facilitating. Besides the tree of light, have you had an immersive experience go bad? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Something weird happened or people didn't go the right way. People didn't respond the, the way that you thought they would. Um, what's been a weird experience? Yeah. Um, you know, the thing that, that comes to mind is we did this installation um, several summers ago for a, a big conference and uh, it was a, a giant wall of nails and the whole experience was built around relationship. And so we asked people to take these different lengths of rubber bands, start at one nail representing themselves and then stretch the rubber bands to other nails. Some of those were close relationships with a small rubber band. Some of them were, were really distant relationships and they'd, you know, they'd stretch it. 
24 inches to another uh, to another nail. And so at the end, the objective was to have this really big tapestry that represented a web of relationships in our own lives and then how we intersect with with one another. And um, for the most part, that happened. But what I found happening pretty repeatedly was people would walk up to it. They'd see the grid of nails. They wouldn't necessarily read the instruction or the prompt, or maybe they did and didn't care, but they would go up. And because it was this grid, they'd take the rubber bands and they would just make crosses. And uh, so there were all of these crosses all over this um, this grid of nails. And it was really, really interesting to me as I kind of sat and evaluated what I sensed was happening. And what's so crazy to me, and I write about this in Creative Faith, is the symbol of the cross is a symbol of agony, and it's a symbol of the hard road, and it's a symbol of choosing out of the easy path. But what I sensed was, and as people were encountering this uh, this grid of nails, as we were asking people to kind of do the hard work of evaluating their relationships and praying over the people in their lives, they were kind of taking the cross and making it the easy way to engage. They didn't have to think about it. They just picked up rubber bands and started making crosses on this grid of nails. And it was like the antithesis of what the cross stands for. And so I had this internal battle of like, how much do I control? what's happening here? How much do I edit people's experience with this thing? So it wasn't necessarily like a disaster where the walls fell down and like crushed someone, (laughs) thankfully. Um, But it was this kind of internal battle of what's my role as the curator in dictating people's experiences to them. So maybe to play off of that, is there, when I'm creating an immersive experience, is there something that's off limits or something, some things that I just shouldn't do areas that I shouldn't go to? Well, I think one of the things that I learned from that is in in order to help me not have to like have this internal battle of editing people along the way as they experience or encounter this thing, I invite a few people uh, to specifically encounter the experience before we open it up to the masses. I think one of the things that people have a hard time doing is being first to do something. And so if we invite some very specific people who we think will be able to connect with the experience in a meaningful way, it um, it sets a precedence for the people coming behind them. And so I would say that in some ways, you know, use your discernment for sure and how you help lead people along the way. But maybe that concept of editing people's experience is a little bit off limits. Um, but maybe it's not. I think all of it is up to interpretation as the Holy Spirit speaks to us as leaders in the moment. Um, there have been many kind of moments in, in being a worship leader where I've given people a prompt and maybe it wasn't ultimately clear and and people weren't encountering the moment in the way I'd hoped. And so I just say, hey, guys, I'm just going to kind of prompt this one more time. Here's here's some a way that I think we can tweak this in order to kind of make it uh, a more poignant or meaningful experience. Um I don't know if there's really anything off limits. I think pushing people, I think it, it can cannot be helpful. Um, you know, getting frustrated in the moment. I know it's really easy to get frustrated when people aren't doing what we hope they do or aren't encountering it in a way that they that we hope they'd encounter it. It can be easy to get frustrated and get a little bit uh, impatient with the audience or with the congregation. Um, again, humility, compassion all the way through the process, and just in gentleness, helping lead people. 
Now, you also have written a book called Spiritual Innovation. What are some of the, the themes and the content that you cover in that book? Yeah, this is something that the Lord was just kind of like stirring in me as I was experiencing even some of the things that we've been talking about. And the the con- concept of the, of the book is that in our culture, we anticipate innovation and things like medicine and science and technology, but we don't have a framework for, or oftentimes there's resistance to the concept of innovation in the spiritual realm. So how can we, um, you know, really align ourselves with the heartbeat of God to begin exploring the depths of who we are. And in the process of writing the book, I just came to this realization um, that, you know, if God is infinite, there's more we don't know about him than there is that we do know about him. And, you know, there are obviously clear things that God has revealed to us about who he is, ways that he wants us to know him. But maybe there are some things that we don't know about God that he desires to reveal to those who are sensitive and listening and taking space to be in the quiet place. And how do we navigate those moments as a local church congregation? And how do we open ourselves up to that idea as the church as a whole and create a framework for what I would consider is a biblical life, which would be living as those who we read about in scripture uh, are living. I remember Francis Chan uh, hearing him speak once, um, and he was talking about like if if we were to take our lives and insert it into the book of Acts, would it be out of place or would it feel like it fits? And I would say that for most of us, our lives would feel like they're out of place if we were to put them in the book of Acts. And I think that to me points at what it looks like to live a biblical life. Are we living a life that looks like the uh, the lives of the people re- we read about in Scripture. And I think that requires us to be open to the revelation of God um, here and now as we seek Him together. As we wrap today, one thing I really want to get at is is next steps. So for church leaders, creative directors, what would you say some next steps would be for them to start thinking of new and fresh ways to make our worship services and events more interactive? Yeah, uh, I mean, just a, a plug, I guess. I have um, three tools for helping cultivate more creative environments um, at that URL that I referenced earlier, creativefaithjourney.com. And the first one of those is um, a curator's tool, which helps us ask intentional questions that we can distribute to our team to get everybody on the same page uh, when it comes to the theming, when it comes to the feel of the environment that we're trying to create. And what I love is if we can get everybody on the same page when it comes to kind of the bigger ideas of the theming of each of our worship gatherings, what it ends up doing is freeing people into their roles. So if you can communicate the feel and the ethos of what we're trying to create to our lighting designer, that lighting designer can go away and explore in the context of what we've provided for them. Or the the person who's making the playlist for walk in and walk out can think about the themes of the of the worship gathering and create a playlist for that. Or the graphics people know where we're going and it brings this sense of cohesion to the entire experience that we're creating. Um, the second tool there that I think is has been really practical for us at our church is the, the tool that, that I mentioned a little bit ago, that experience guide that has the these nine different types of experiences that are have been a launch pad for us to be, begin creating some interactive experiences. And then 
I, again, I think it comes back to us as leaders, as individuals, being people who understand our identity as creatives, understand our identity in relationship with God that gives us the freedom to walk into our spaces and not walk in in fear, but walk in in boldness, walk in in bravery, walk in in humility, embodying the character of Christ. And I think if we can go into our environments as leaders like that, it's a really great starting point for us to be able to to take people on that journey of creativity. Well, man, thank you so much for sharing this content with us. It's it's awesome. We love hearing you speak and reading your, your content online. Tell us how we can find you and keep up with you online. Yeah, so right now, um, my newest kind of tool or, or offering is the Creative Faith Journey, and you can go there and um, sign up, and I'll send you those three free tools to help cultivate more creative environments in your worship gatherings. I'll also send you a download link for the ebook of the uh, of Creative Faith, which is the ebook that we talked about just a little bit ago. And those, I think, are four really helpful tools in helping us cultivate uh, more creative worship gatherings. And then you can just find me online um, on Instagram and Twitter. My my name is just at Cole Neesmith, C-O-L-E-N-E-S-M-I-T-H. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Have a great day. Yeah, man. Thank you. It's been really great talking to you. Hey, it's Cole Neesmith, and I want to invite you to visit creativefaithjourney.com. There, I'm going to provide you with some free resources to help you find your creative voice and make a significant difference in your environment, whether it's a church or a business. I believe that creativity is a central tenet to our life as believers, and I want to empower you with some tools to make a difference where you are. I want to make you more creative so you can change your world. One of the resources that I'll provide you is a link to my ebook, Creative Faith, which talks about creativity in your leadership and in your daily life. So visit creativefaithjourney.com and there you'll get some free resources, including my free ebook, Creative Faith. That is a wrap for us this week for tons of free content from this week's show. You can visit 1230media.com forward slash 071. You can download a free transcript, PDFs, get Cole's social media links to follow him and more. 1230media.com forward slash 071. On the next Church Media Podcast. Next week on the show, I welcome Jonathan Pearson. Jonathan serves as the campus pastor at Cornerstone Community Church in Orangeburg, South Carolina. He helped create the website MillennialLeader.com, a community for young leaders. We'll be talking about how to be a great millennial leader. So if you are a young staff member at a church or know of one and want some tips on how to lead your team effectively as a young leader, this is a great episode for you. You can check that out next week on the show. My special thanks to David Michael Hyde for his producing skills. You can find David composing music for film and digital media and saving the world at davidmichaelhyde.com. Thanks for listening this week. Go out there, guys, and create some incredible experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. Catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.